Welcome to the Magmatic Security Squawk Box, a security-focused podcast for the businesses and individuals who use all the products within Apple's ecosystem to get their work done for the week of August 19, 2012. Let's begin. Adobe Updates. The past two weeks, Adobe has updated Flash Player, Reader, Acrobat, and Shockwave Player for Mac OS X. These updates need to be applied as soon as possible. In the wild, currently, we have spotted several Flash exploits related to this update. All of these exploits affect only the PC platform, but we expect, similar to what has happened in the past after the release of a Flash update, there will be an increase in criminals' attempts to use fake Flash installers. So remember, you can only get the update from Adobe.com. Of course, in the uh, Flash Player pane in System Preferences, you can set it to Update, and you can check for an update, which will go to the Adobe site. So you should use this feature within Flash. Additionally, we don't recommend using Reader. I've never used uh, Reader when working with PDFs in Mac OS X. I don't recommend it for my clients. So I would suggest using the preview app that comes within Mac OS X to view PDFs. If you do need to use Reader, which may be the case for certain PDFs that are designed for form interaction, uh, you can export them from the preview app. Or if you need to use Reader, make sure to install this update. Of course, the full suite of Acrobat, make sure to install this update as well. But do not set Reader as your default application for reading PDFs. Uh, this will open you up to all the vulnerabilities that can affect uh, Reader. And that would not be a good thing. Uh, when it comes to Shockwave, again, this is something that normally I don't recommend clients to install. Some of them might have installed it for you know, games or some older media that they might have been using or digital assets that they had. Again, this update should be applied as soon as possible. The key thing to remember with Flash is currently Safari will check and Mac OS X will check to see if the Flash player is out of date. This was incorporated into Safari to check for the extensions uh, such as Java or uh, other uh, players and see if they're outdated. The only two that works with is Java where it will disable Java after a certain amount of time if it's not used and Flash Player where after a certain amount of time it will then go out and see if there is an updated version. Usually this updated version though is linked into the XProtect system so the best way to do the actual updating is once you're informed to actually do it yourself and make sure that the Flash Player pane is set to check for updates regularly. SMS spoofing iOS. Recently, a white hat researcher has released a tool that allows you to easily spoof SMS messages, especially targeting iOS devices. The flaw that is in SMS has been in iOS and most other devices for an extended period of time. So the discovery is nothing new. What is new is the publicity and the tool that was released to show that this is really a vulnerability. That becomes debatable in, this, in, in its own right. SMS is a protocol that obviously there needs to be some things done. S the good thing is most carriers 
have at a higher level protected the SMS messaging system. So some of the spoofing that will work internationally does not work within the continental United States. Two, if you use iMessage, iMessage does ensure the sender. So with iMessage, if you do that within your company or business, like I have clients again who use uh, iOS devices and their employees and they use iMessage to communicate. They went basically from iChat to iMessage, some of them. Some of the older Macs are not using this, but as they do their update, they intend to move to this uh, messaging platform. And through iMessage, it is a really nice, simple solution for the average small Soho business. Uh, larger uh, companies, uh, there are some security issues as well, but for SMS messaging, uh, iMessage is a good way to go. Obviously, having it within your corporate control or some kind of internal messaging makes far more sense. Uh, the key thing to take away from this is that if you receive an SMS message, similar to an email, SMS messages can be for phishing. So if you receive an SMS message from a company that you deal with, your bank, they normally will not contact you this way. If they do, they normally will not put links into the SMS message. So don't click on links similar to your email messages. If you get an email message and there are links in it, most likely it makes more sense for you to actually look at what that website is in that company, go to that website and then click through and log in and do what you need to do, not clicking any links in the email. Some companies also will only include graphic information, no text and no links. Uh, that's common for certain uh, phone carriers and certain banks, the ones that are uh, properly uh, you know, using email as a business tool. Of course, if you do get an SMS message, there's a couple di different things you can do if it's a phishing message. One is, of course, reported to the FTC. They have a great reporting site and reporting is critical. The more users out there who report phishing, spam, or SMS phishing, the more, uh, the greater pressure that is put on agencies to react and shut down these businesses, or they gather enough evidence and put together the pieces to bring down a uh, spamming network, which I think is, uh, you know, something that we can all play an important role in. Uh, in terms of SMS messaging, is it a safe protocol? No, it is a public protocol. But at the same time, it is a useful protocol and you should continue to use it with the idea that it is not safe or it is not private communication. But then again, when you think about it, uh, you know, what really is for, you know, what is really expected from that SMS messaging. And, uh, you know, I think that, you know, implementing iMessage, which is not vulnerable to this SMS spoofing, if you use iMessage, you pretty much eliminate any risk or threat related to this proof of concept. Terry, rumblings in the cloud. After the recent mega hack, of a reporter from Gizmodo who had his Apple ID compromised, there's been a lot of talk about vulnerabilities in the cloud. And really what it comes down to is 
businesses and individuals understanding what the cloud is and what it isn't. For the average small business or Soho user, cloud service provider is going to provide a more secure environment for them to operate their business in, rather than bringing a lot of that work in-house. Of course, because it's metered, they can control costs a lot better. So for smaller businesses and for the individual, I think that the cloud is really a decent place where you can put your work and get better security than you would if you had this all in-house. That said, there are some things to keep in mind. First off, the idea of co-mingling of data. Whenever you put data that is confidential into the cloud, it should be encrypted. And you should have complete control over that encryption. That means that you hold the keys, you hold the method to encrypt, and the method to de decrypt. This is all coming under your control. For larger businesses, they might actually get a uh, service provider and they'll do where they'll do a whole uh, virtual private data center. Again, a lot of businesses are seeing the benefits of this. There are some still security concerns, but these security concerns are probably the same security uh, risk that the business is already dealing with. Where the, issue, where the issues really come up is where people have to realize that they still need to have control and this falls within their security umbrella. So when it comes to compliance, if you are putting stuff in the cloud, that stuff still has to be in compliance. Yeah, so if you are you know, under SOX or um, you know, HIPAA, then you need to make sure that that data still is in, within compliance and the service provider is not responsible for that. Now, when it comes to your Apple ID, of course, you should never share it. You should make sure that the security questions are not using standard uh, yes or no questions that somebody can easily gain from just doing a Facebook search, Google search, and finding out a little about you on LinkedIn. Uh, the security questions, for instance, if the security question is, what was what is your mother's maiden name? This is something very easy to find out. The best thing for you to do is, if that is the only choice, is to actually change the answer to something that has nothing to do with your mother or her maiden name. So that is the best way to approach because we've also seen that some recent hacks of some gaming sites has resulted in them stealing the security questions. So you can see that security questions are very important because with security questions, they can reset your passwords. And what we saw happen to the Gizmodo reporter, I suspect we're going to see more and more of that happening in the future. But this really falls in the lap of the individual. He didn't have any backups. He didn't secure his uh, password properly. He was a very public figure and never, ever assumed that the public information he was sharing could be used to compromise him. Big mistake. Understand all your data can be used to compromise you. The cloud represents a good solution for most business and user problems, but that doesn't mean that the risk or responsibility is not in the user's lap. In fact, it is more so because you have to take into consideration the commingling of data. So just keep that in mind. Well, that's a wrap for the podcast for the week of August 19th. May your week be a creative and secure one.